All right, welcome back to From Aid Arbitration, and today we're going to get into Article 17. I'll get into Article 31 in the next episode, but I'm going to separate those two. Even though probably going to deal with the same thing, I want to separate Article 17 and Article 31, and then we'll get into the full gamut, what happens when we get the discipline all the way up to the meeting. But today we're going to be dealing with Article 17, not all of Article 17, but just the part that deals with information, because I do believe that this deals with discipline, because when I request information, what happens when I don't get it? And this is, uh, this is going to be dealing with that, okay? I'm not a macabre person, but I find it interesting. I, I don't know if y'all do, but animals that are deadly. I don't know if you ever watch those shows or YouTube videos on world's deadliest animals. But I do. I don't think that I'm a weird person for doing that. But here, here's the world's 10 deadliest animals. Okay? In case y'all want to know. Number 10 is tapeworms. Would y'all have thought that? Tapeworms? I wouldn't have. Number 9 is the Ascaris roundworms. That's odd, and you wouldn't think of, of all the animals in the world that that would be in the top 10. Scorpions is number 8. I guess I could see that. Number seven would have never thought this. Freshwater snails. They say some snails that bite you have 24 hours to live. Some they call cigarette snails because you have time to, to smoke a cigarette before you die. But freshwater, I don't know, I just laughed at that, but freshwater snails. Assassin bugs. That's number six. I guess that's a, a fitting name, assassin bugs. Number five is the, the tsetse flies. That's number five. Kills 10,000 humans a year. Number four, I, I guess I could see this, but dogs. Dogs is number four. Uh, number three is snakes. I could definitely see that. Snakes is number three. Number two is humans. Definitely can see that. Humans is number two. The most deadliest animals to humans is a human. But number one, and it's it doubles everything else number one is the mosquito over a million humans killed per year by mosquitoes i guess you probably heard of that through the years with malaria and stuff that mosquitoes kill more things than anything else well that that's an article 17 violation an article 17 violation kills more discipline than any other due process violation put together. Uh, that's a fact. Management not providing the union with requested information is the number one killer of discipline than all the others put together. You can have any other due process violation you want. None of them kill discipline faster than the union's failure to receive information that it requested. Uh, Weingarten rights, the failure to perform any investigation at all. Those things do not compare to management's failure to provide information. Arbitrators will not tolerate management refusing to furnish the union with its requested information. They will never consider the merits of the case when, that's, when that happens. So anytime you have a case... A discipline case. And then I'll talk about this with contract too, because contract is just as deadly to management's position in a contract case. Even though that burden is ours in a contract case, if you don't provide me information to meet my burden in a contract case, arbitrators will not even consider the merits. And I have a very good case. I'll talk about that, but that'll be in a later episode. But anyway, information and management's refusal to provide us information kills discipline. So when you get uh, uh, some discipline from a carrier, the very first thing that we do, and we talked about this in an earlier episode, the very first thing that we do is we turn in a request for information, and we want to know any and all information management used to issue Corey Walton this discipline. That's what we're going to turn in. When the carrier hands us discipline, we're going to take that discipline, and immediately we're not going to do the first thing without getting an information request form, whatever y'all have, and turning in 
that form immediately. And it's going to request any and all information management used to issue Corey Walton this discipline. When we get, now we got 14 days, right? So it takes two or three days. They'll finally give us this information. Then we're going to find something else that we need. You know, if it's attendance and they hand us, well, we used a 3972. We used tax clock rings. We used this investigative interview. Okay, so that's all you used? Yeah, all right. So we're going to write this down here. Management furnished me uh, this, 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 and this. All right, so we're going to put that aside, number that. Here's what management used. Next, we're going to say, all right, what do I want? What's the controlling document in attendance discipline? 3971. All right, I'm going to request all those because management didn't provide me those with my initial request. I want the 3971, okay? Uh, and whatever else that y'all have in y'all's, y'all's installation. I know that mine's good about, I want the ERMS key indicator report. Let me get the ERMS call in log management did not, you know, didn't provide that. They didn't include that. So let me get the ERMS call in log. Let's see what all these things are saying. See if they're right. Okay. Management doesn't provide what I requested. Okay. They gave me the initial request. What they used, I asked for these additional things. Management fails to provide me with my additional information that I requested. My first contention, the first contention I make, and this is going to be 90% of my contention, is that management violated Article 17 and 31 when they failed to provide the union with its requested documentation. Okay? That is 90% of my argument. I'm going to address the things that they did give me. That's fine. But 90% of my argument is going to be that management failed to provide me the, the requested information, and therefore, I cannot properly defend the grievance due to that. And then you're going to take your information request form, the one that you didn't get. And in your contentions, you're going to say, I requested the 3971, and that was not provided. And the reason I wanted the 3971 is because this is the controlling document in attendance, okay? I requested the ERMS call-in log. Why? Because this shows me if indeed he called in. I also requested whatever else, the 3972. They didn't provide that initially. I wanted the 3972. They did not provide the 3972. And why did I want that? Well, I wanted that because it shows... Each day, it would have shown me the, the, what uh, was used, the amount that was used, that wasn't provided. So management failed to provide this documentation. I was not able to properly represent the grievance due to that, okay? If it's an accident and they provide you all these things, but they don't have maybe a 1769, maybe the accident report, maybe you want... Uh, the vehicle repair on that thing where they send it to the VMF or whatever y'all call it. There's a vehicle maintenance. Y'all may call y'all something else. I requested that the vehicle repair tag on that thing, the history of the repair on that vehicle. Okay. They didn't provide that. You're going to get in your contentions and you're going to say, I requested this vehicle repair tag or the history. And this is why it affected my ability to defend the grievance. Anything you don't get, put in your contentions why you needed that, why you wanted that, okay? Because when you get to arbitration, an arbitrator is going to see that. He's not going to entertain the merits. I promise you that, okay? I had a contractual case, and I'll get into this a lot when I get into the contract part of, of my episodes, but I'll talk about this one, and then I have a, a site on some discipline, but... It was a six-day count years ago. I was the advocate for it, and management failed to provide us a handful of documentation. My defense in arbitration was I didn't even get into the merits. I didn't even entertain it. I didn't get into the six-day count at all. All I did was have the witness testify, what did you request, what did you not receive, and why did that affect you? Because management prohibited us from meeting our burden in a contract case. And the arbitrator said, I'm not even going to entertain the merits because you didn't give him the information. He granted us our entire remedy. I think it ended up being 
uh, $400,000 or something like that. Three, three hundred seventy-five, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000. But anyway, information, information requests. If management doesn't provide the information that we request, that needs to be about 90% of our contention. Okay. That will devastate discipline. It will kill it. I'm telling you. Let's go over some contract language, all right? And here's some things that we're going to do. I'm going to start out on page 17.3, and it's actually Article 17.3. It's the provision 17.3. Here's what it states. Rights of stewards. When it is necessary for a steward to leave his or her work area, to investigate and adjust grievances, or to investigate a specific problem, to determine whether to file a grievance, the steward shall request permission from the immediate supervisor, and such request shall not be unreasonably denied. In the event the duties require the steward leave the work area and enter another area within the installation or post office, the steward must also receive permission from the supervisor from the other area he she wishes to enter and such request shall not be unreasonably denied. I know you're saying, what's this got to do with information? Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Carries on. The steward, chief steward, or other union representative properly certified in accordance with section two above may request and shall obtain access through the appropriate supervisor to review the documents, files, and other records necessary for processing a grievance or determining if a grievance exists and shall have the right to interview the aggrieved employees, supervisors, and witnesses during work hours. Such requests shall not be unreasonably denied. So what is my right? It says right there, it's my right. You know what it says? Shall I have the right to interview the aggrieved employees? supervisors and witnesses during work hours here's why i read that who initiates a grievance who initiates a grievance in accordance with article 15 and i'm gonna read that in just a second it's the shop steward who initiates the grievance right we're the ones that it's talking about in 17.3 do you know who it's not talking about the formal step A representative. He does not initiate a grievance unless it's a safety grievance or something to that effect where it can be initiated formal A. But for discipline, who initiates the grievance? It's the shop steward. Don't ever forget that. Okay, here's why. I've got 14 days in accordance with Article 15 to file a grievance, and I've got that amount of time to request information to see if I've got a grievance. And if I do, to investigate that grievance, to get my contentions ready, and then to prepare myself for the informal step A meeting. It's the most time out of all the steps. I've got 14, 14 days. Management doesn't provide me the information, right? I make all these contentions about it. I meet at the informal. Still no information. We send that to the formal step A. The formal step A, they meet... And guess what shows up at the formal step A meeting? All of the information that I requested at the informal step A. Right? Now, my formal step A, he's gotten a handful of information that he never requested. And he's going to have to guess or call me, why did you want this information? And then he's going to have to take the time to prepare his contentions off of information that I requested and management's going to say that they fulfilled their obligation under 17 and 31 because they did furnish the union its requested information. It was just a little later than they should have, so it shouldn't affect the discipline. Don't, don't, ever, don't ever go for that. Don't ever go for that. My formal step A, he didn't file the grievance. I did. I filed the grievance. My name is on the 8190. Not my formal step A's at the top. That's my name. It's not his. He didn't file this grievance. That should be your contention. And formal step A, do not let them get away with that. If they provide that information, you say, hey, I didn't, I didn't file this grievance. The shop steward filed this grievance. 
Well, let's remand it back. No, we're not remanding shit back. Look, he had 14 days to get that, that information to the shop steward, and you failed to do so. It's the biggest due process violation that you will get. Okay, formal step A, get that in a chokehold. Well, we'll just remand it back. I'm not remanding anything back. You failed to provide the information to my shop steward. That's a 17 and 31 violation. What else do you want to talk about? Okay, hoping that's making sense. The contract is clear. It's the shop steward, just like 17.3. is given all of these rights. Do not let them violate your rights and say, oh, well, no harm done because we gave it to the formal step A representative. Hoping I'm making sense right there. Let's carry on, shall we? Page 17.4, steward's rights. I think that's what that said. Steward rights? Yeah, didn't say formal step A rights. Steward rights Under on page 17.4. Article 17.3 and 17.4 establish several steward rights. I've already talked about 17.3. Here it is. The right to investigate and adjust grievances and problems that may become grievances. So that's my right as the steward to investigate and adjust grievances. That's my right given to me at the informal step A level, at the station level. It's my right, not the formal step A's right. It's my right. Okay. The right to pay time to conduct those activities. And I may get into that a little bit more um, because that's kind of more of a contract thing there if they don't give us the right or if they don't provide us time um obviously if they don't provide you time if you get information they don't provide you time to investigate you do that at, at home and you categorize every single second that you spend preparing that grievance if it's four hours you have four hours worth of timeline what you did and then when you File that grievance, you'll say violation of Article 17 where they didn't provide you time. But anyway, that's, that's getting off topic. The right to obtain management information. That's my right as a steward. The right to obtain management information. That's a broad range too, okay? Super seniority, which doesn't apply. An employee's right to steward representation during an inspection, service, interrogation. And we'll go over that in a later episode. And then below that, it says steward rights, continues, activities included. A steward may conduct a broad range of activities related to the investigation and adjustment of grievances and of problems that may become grievances. These activities include the right to review relevant documents, files, and records, as well as interviewing a potential grievant, supervisors, and witnesses. Okay, so what's... What's relevant documents, files, and records? Would that be the 3972, 3971, Erms calling log? What about vehicle maintenance? Huh? What about uh, accident reports? Anything that you, police reports, OIG reports, anything you can think of, even if you think outside the box, anything you can think of falls under that. We have the right to review all of those things. And it's, and it's going to give us a little list here. And then 31, it has a, a more pronounced list, but it goes on. Specific settlements and arbitration decisions have established that a steward has the right to do, among other things, the following. Complete grievance forms and write appeals on the clock. All right. Interview witnesses, including postal patrons who are off postal premises. Let me stop right there. I have had this happen before where management refused to allow a carrier, a steward time on the clock to go interview a postal patron. And they told them they're going to deny it because they're not going to bother our customers. <laughs> and that's what they said. No, you're not going to go bother the customer. Well, it's my right. I don't care what it is. I'm not approving you time on the clock to go out there in your uniform, whatever, and bother postal patrons. You're not going to do that. Well, you've now violated Article 17. And I promise you that will kill that discipline. 
So don't raise a lot of hell about that. Just say, okay, I'm going to put this in anyway and just deny it if you don't want me to do it. Well, yeah, I'm going to deny it. You're not going to do it. Okay. Well, just sign right there that you're going to deny that for me. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. And then file agreement 17 and 31. Also, you know, Article 16, obviously, being as it's discipline, but that they refuse to allow you to go out there and interview postal patrons on the clock. Hey, that's a mosquito right there. Okay. That's a mosquito. That's going to kill it, baby, right off the jump. And and when you're in that informal meeting, smile the whole time, man. And sing a song in your head. You know, it's a good day. It's a good day. Uh, go on. Interview supervisors. I'm going to talk about this in a second under relevancy letters. Interview supervisors. We won a big case on that just the other day. Interview supervisors. Interview postal inspectors. Good luck. But that's a mosquito. Anytime you have a postal inspector involved in anything, you can put a request in to interview them. Good luck interviewing them. Now, they may they may call you, everyone, but my history is they don't want to bother with us. That's another mosquito right there. And don't look. Don't be scared of anybody. Don't be scared of anybody. If you need to interview a district manager, you put in to interview that district manager. If you need to interview postal police, if you need to interview the OIG, if you need to interview postal inspectors, do not be intimidated by that. Okay? Call your formal A, call your business agent. I need to speak with the postal inspectors. Look at this. You know, let's formulate some good questions to ask them. All right. They're expert witnesses, but they're expert liars. All right. So get you some good questions. If you need to, if you need to talk to them, don't hesitate to interview them. You have that right as a steward. You have that right. Don't run from that. Let's go on. Review relevant documents. Man, that's a catch-all right there. That's, that's beautiful right there. That's management safety. Now, every time we have an accident, they say safety. You violated safety rules. Well, hell, there's 8,000. Well, this is ours right here. Review relevant documents. And that word relevant, we're going to talk about that in a second. I'm going to give you a site. And then I'm going to include, I'm going to try to include a brief I did in where it has the uh, in my section of the podcast where it's transcript, I'm gonna try to download a brief uh, just so you can look at it. You can copy it if you want to. I mean, it, I'm not a brief writer. Let me tell you, I was sent one the other day from up north. Beautiful. This guy, he's a brief writer. <laughs> I'm not gonna say his name. I mean, but he's from up north, Illinois. That cat's a brief writer. That was beautiful. Me, no. I'm not a brief writer. I do oral closings for a reason because I hate writing. But I'm going to put a brief in there where it talks about uh, transcript. I'm going to try to. So you can see where I made this contention about these relevancy letters where you put in a request for information and then some idiot from labor sends you this letter. We need to know the relevancy of this. You need to do all these things, answer these questions. For us to determine the relevance of it, we're going to get to ask here in just a minute, okay? But anyway, review relevant documents. That's all right. Review an employee's official personnel folder when relevant. Review an employee's official personnel folder when relevant. Okay? Write the union statement of corrections and additions to the formal step A decision. That doesn't pertain to us. And the informally level. Interview Office of Inspector General Agents. There again. A steward has the right to conduct all such activities on the clock. All right. So if they don't give you that time, like I said, go home. Make sure that you have your information request and also time to investigate. If they don't give you the time to investigate, look, don't raise hell about that. You don't need to get on social media and go crazy, but they're not giving me any time. Look, we control everything. We control everything. Say that to yourself when you get upset. We control it all. We just do through the grievance procedure, man. 
we control it all. You put in a request for time and manager says, I ain't got no time for you. Okay. If you can just deny it right there. If you put in for five hours and they give you 20 minutes because they got some asshole. Okay. Just sign right there. 20 minutes. Thank you. Go home. Do it at home. I'm off base here, but I'm going to talk about it. Do it at home. Get you a pad. I started at 6 o'clock. And from 6 to 6.20, I went over these clock rings. From 6.20 to 6.45, I was looking at 3972s. From however long it takes, from this time to this time, I was doing this. From this time to this time, I was doing that. And it took me four hours to complete the time. Then you're going to go back and you're going to file a 1731. Manager didn't give you the time to investigate your grievance, right? And you're going to ask to be reimbursed for that time and a cease and desist on that. Don't get upset at that. Look, management's not going to stress me out. I'm not going to be stressed out at work about management. I'm telling you. You don't want me to do something at work? That's fine. I'll do it at home. I'm going to get paid for it. We're going to get some cease and desist, and then you're going to start paying me more to do it at home. All right? Watch, I'm, while I'm watching Fred Flintstone, you're going to be paying my ass some money. But anyway, uh, where are we at? I'm sorry I did that. I went way off, way off track. Right to steward time on the clock. Uh, and I'm going to do this in another episode. I'm just doing information today, but it talks about right to steward on the time on the clock. On page seventeen five, uh, I'll, I'll do that in, a, in another episode. This is this one's supposed to be about information, so I'm, I apologize for getting into that. Page seventeen six, right to information. The NELC's rights to information relevant to collective bargaining and to contract administration are set forth in Article thirty one, and I'll do that in my next episode. This section states stewards specific rights to review and obtain documents, files, and other records in addition to the right to interview a grievant, supervisors, and witnesses. Stewards' request to review and obtain documents should state how the request is relevant to the handling of a grievance or potential grievance. Hang on to that word relevance, okay? Relevant here and above that relevance, okay? Hang on to that. Management should respond to questions and to requests for documents in a cooperative and timely manner. Now, how many days is that? Doesn't say. They're going to say it's this. We're going to say it's that. I've got 14 days to, to see if I can if I have a grievance and to prepare a grievance to, to help my brothers and sisters. So you need to hurry up with it. When a relevant request is made, there's that word again, relevant, is made, management should provide for a view and or produce the requested documentation as soon as is reasonably possible. We're going to fight about that because what's management going to say? We put this request in. Hey, look, I'm the only one here. I'm the only one here. Uh, I'm trying to get carriers this. I'm trying to get clerks, my window. I'm trying to get uh, dispatch. You know, I'll get it when I get it. Okay. Next day, look, I'm, my boss is gone for on vacation. I've, I'm here by myself. Uh, I, I don't have time to get you this information right now. How many of y'all ever heard that? <laughs> right? So you're going to wait about a week to get me my information. Then I'm going to put in my other request, and I'm cut down about two days when I finally get this information to prepare this grievance, okay? We're going to work on that, too. A steward has a right to obtain supervisor's personal notes of discussions held with individual employees in accordance with Article 16.2 if the notes have been made part of the employee's official personnel folder or if they are necessary to processing a grievance or determine whether a grievance exists. Okay? That's a steward, right? Not formal A, a steward. So there's, under Article 17, there's our rights. Okay? Now, 31 gets a lot more in-depth into it, but that's all we're going to do today on as far as our rights. Now, look, management doesn't provide me information. They don't provide me information. I have all these rights. I put in my requests. I get about half of what I've requested. Comes time to the informal step A meeting. 
I'm making a a huge argument against 17 and 31. I'm showing why, what I requested, why I wanted it, okay, and how that affected me. Here's the informal step A meeting according to Article 15.2 informal step A. Any employee who feels aggrieved must discuss the grievance with the employee's immediate supervisor within 14 days of the date on which the employee or the union first learned or may reasonably have been expected to have learned of its cause. Okay, so I'm I'm supposed to meet with the immediate supervisor, not the immediate station manager, not the immediate postmaster, the immediate supervisor. That's going to be another episode. The employee, if he or she so desires, may be accompanied and represented by the employee, steward, or union representative. Here we go. During the meeting, the parties are encouraged to jointly review all relevant documents to facilitate resolution of the dispute. Bingo. Bingo. (laughs) Let me read that again. During the meeting, the parties are encouraged to jointly review all relevant document. Y'all hear that word? Relevant. That I believe that was in 17. Wasn't it? Relevant. Review all relevant documents to facilitate resolution of the dispute. How in the hell am I going to do that if you didn't give me the relevant documentation to do that? Can anybody answer that question? How am I going to facilitate any kind of resolution if I've requested relevant documentation and you didn't provide it to me? How am I going to do that? I'm not. I'm not going to do it because I requested relevant documentation and not, you know what you did? Not provide it. (laughs) That's what you did. You didn't provide it. So I can't facilitate a resolution because I don't have relevant documentation to facilitate a resolution. So you have stripped the grievant of the first step. His first step to be heard. He's only got four. You have stripped him of the first step to be heard because you failed to provide me the relevant documentations to defend this gentleman or this woman. So you have intentionally violated Article 15 because you have prohibited me from facilitating any type of resolution. So you violated Article 15 when you did that. Because I wasn't able to facilitate a resolution. Because I don't have relevant documentation that I requested. (laughs) Right? Get them on that. Hey, hey, stewards, listen to me. (laughs) Listen to me. If you don't receive any any information, I don't care what it is. If it's relevant to you, and I'm going to go over this in just a second. If it's relevant to you and you don't get it, Raise absolute hell on that. Your contention said smash that. A violation of Articles 15, 17, 31. You failed to provide the the union its requested information. Therefore, you have violated that provision of Article 15 because I don't have the relevant documentation to facilitate a proper resolution. Right? You prohibited me from that. Is that making sense? Man, I hope so. That's powerful. That's a mosquito right there. That's a mosquito, baby. I'm telling you. Look here. Make sure that you have all your stuff documented. Okay? If I go to hearing and you say I requested information and I don't have a request form, I'm not winning that argument. You can come in there and testify all day long. You know what Madison's going to do? I never got anything. I handed it to him. Where is it? I I didn't keep a copy. I didn't keep a copy of that, but he knows I gave it to him. You know what they're going to do? Lie about it straight to my face, straight to the arbitrator's face. They're going to lie about it. That's how they do. I mean, management will lie. The only people that lie more than them are the postal inspectors, but management will lie in arbitration over and over and over again. Get copies. If you turn in a a request for information, either turn in two or get a copy of the one that's signed. But keep a copy. 
another thing, some people turn in three or four or five or six information requests requesting the same information. If that's what you do, that's fine. I turn in one. I'm only obligated to do that. I turn in one request for information, anything that they use. When I need something else, I'll turn in something else asking for something specific, right? If I don't get it, I'm not going to hit them with 15 more. Now, some people do that, and that's fine. It looks good in arbitration. It does. It says, here's my sixth request for the information. They still didn't give it to me. I'm just turning one. That's just me. I requested for the information. They didn't give it. Well, did you turn in two? Well, show me where I've got to do that on Article 17 or 31. It's not in there. But however you do it, it's fine. I'm not saying don't do it if you if you do that. I mean, that's that's fine. It does look good in arbitration, but I just don't do that. But anyway, you turn in a request for information. You want to request to interview an MPU, and that's what we got here. I'm going to put that temp, I'm going to put that uh, my brief up on that. Uh, I'm going to request to interview an MPU. I'm going to request. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to request to interview a, a customer. And I need to also uh, request uh, this form here. It's an abstract form. It probably don't make any sense, but I'm going to request this form here also. And in about three days, you get a letter from labor. And it's a relevancy letter. And they say, hey, look, we need to know the relevancy of the information that you're requesting. And my installation hit me with a tab. They were like, look, and it's also going to cost you $3,000 to get this information, you know, because we've not pulled this up before. It's a lot. So, uh, and so I just sent back an email. Well, how do you know how much it's going to cost then if you've not done it? But anyway, they'll send you a relevancy letter. I've got a site for you. Okay. And this is what my, my brief talks about is a relevancy letter. And let me tell you the, the situation. I told you before Cliff Stoddard, Jason Ashley, they go down there on this postmaster that is a, a notorious bully. This guy is a monster. Okay. Uh, you're going to see the name, cause I'm not going to redact it. But anyway, this guy is a straight bully. And so, Cliff Stoddard and Jason Ashley get assigned as informal and formal. They go down there, put this case together, and then I'm the advocate in the hearing for it. And the arbitrator removes this guy from supervising city letter carriers. Okay? Uh, She agrees with us. She does it for a period of two years. There's all these stipulations on the agreement on her award. So we put in a request for information to see if management's abiding by this decision. And there's another part, too. We kind of took a shot at something. She didn't give it to us, but we took a shot anyway. So that's going to be part of that brief. You don't even have to read that. But I just don't know how to separate it. So you're going to get the whole thing. But the first part deals with the information request. So Mr. Stoddard, he's the shop steward assigned to it. So he puts in an information request, request an interview, the MPU, uh, and all these other things. They send him these relevancy letters. He sends back. Here's the relevance. They send it back. We need more relevance. <laughs> Here's these criteria we need you to meet. So we took them to hearing, saying that you failed to abide by the arbitrator's decision. And, and that's what the brief is about. And the arbitrator ruled in our decision. Now, I've got the arbitrator's decision, but I don't have a C number yet. We just got it. But she ruled in our favor against these relevancy letters. Okay. So here's the decision that I used against management. And it's National Arbitrator Richard Mittenthal. And it's C number 10363. C number 10363. Okay. And here's what National Arbitrator Mittenthal stated about relevance. And I'm going to start on page eight. All right. Here's what he stated. He states, what is significant in this case was the Postal Service argument that NALC failed to show that the information requested was relevant or necessary for collective bargaining and or contract administration. My decision noted that NALC had explained in step four that this information was to be used for telephone surveys of its members. 
Those surveys, according to the Bernstein Award, were to be conducted among specific subgroups of the bargaining unit, women, blacks, veterans, etc., to ascertain their particularized needs and desires so that they can properly be represented in the union's bargaining proposals. On the basis of NELC's claim that such information was necessary for collective bargaining, Bernstein had held, and I expressly agreed, listen to this now. This is sufficient showing to comply with the Article 31, Section 2 mandate that the data sought must be relevant information necessary for collective bargaining. He goes on, and this is beautiful. The arbitrator cannot be made the judge of the union's bargaining needs. The decision as to what data is needed to prepare the union's bargaining proposals is one that only the union can make. If it asserts that it needs this data for that purpose, and there is no reason to conclude that the assertion is not truthful, that is enough to satisfy the mandate of Article 31, Section 2. These findings should be kept in mind in evaluating the relevancy arguments made in the instant case. He goes on, on page 10 of his decision. No doubt some type of investigation precedes the submission of a grievance. Information is developed and a decision is made by APWU as to whether or not a grievance is warranted. If there seems to be no merit in a particular complaint, presumably no grievance would be filed. It is for the APW alone to determine if a grievance exists, to determine whether to file a grievance. If the information it seeks has any relevancy to that determination, however slight, its request for this information should be granted. He goes on. Assume for the moment that the EIQWL minutes were not relevant to the work jurisdiction grievance, filed five weeks after ABW initially requested these minutes, that assumption cannot control the disposition of the present case. Whether a piece of information is relevant to the merits of a given claim is one thing. Whether such information is relevant to APW's determination to pursue or not pursue that claim through the filing of a grievance is quite another. The latter question allows relevancy a far broader reach and should have permitted the APW, for the reasons already expressed, to receive the appropriate EIQWL minutes. The Postal Service viewed the APW's request for these minutes was a mere fishing expedition is not persuasive. Hey, use that. Use that, okay? And, and I... I highlight all of that in that brief. If you want to copy that brief and put on like, Hey, look, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm an expert brief writer. I'm not, I'm terrible, but it'll give you an idea of, of my contention against that relevancy letter. So if you get a relevancy letter, you can look at those contentions on my brief. If you want to copy and paste it and change names, you can put it on yours. I don't mind that at all. You may have a much better, and you probably do, because like I said, I despise briefs. But if you have a relevancy letter, if management gives you a relevancy letter, get that decision. Check out that brief. Check it out. And I highlight some things in that brief. If you can't follow it, send me a message, and I'll talk to you about it, okay? Now, that brief has my personal information on there. Don't call me on my cell phone, <laughs> okay? Uh <laughs> But um, anyway, I've got two sites I want to read to you, and then we'll be done. But I, I hope I've helped you in the information request. Uh, again, when we get into Article 31, it's going to be more in-depth because it, it goes into a lot more. But 17 is my right, my rights to information, okay? Uh, that, that's the mosquito amongst due process, I'm telling you. It has killed more discipline than any other due process violation. I promise you. If you're not getting information at your request, that needs to be front and center on your contention. That, that needs to be, if you got six pages of contentions, that should be five of them. Hammer that home. 
make sure you have your copies of your information request and your case file. If you do not, you're not going to win. Okay. You can email. If you have emails where you requested information on emails, that's fine. Those work. If you've got text messages that have been responded to that I've needed information and management responds, okay, I'll get it to you. That's fine. Uh, I used to be a, a prison guard a long time ago. <laughs> I was a guard at the jail for six years. Uh, inmates would write complaints on toilet paper and take those to court, and a judge would honor that as a legal document. Piece of toilet paper. So if you've got anything... <laughs> Anything that you have requested information and management has acknowledged that, that is a legitimate request for information, okay? It just is. It is. Uh, My president went down to meet on a grievance, and he turned in a a request for information. I think he emailed it. And he gets down there, and he asks where his information was, and 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 the supervisor said, I need an official request form. I'm not going to take an email. I need an official union request form. And he says, well, this is how I do it. She said, I don't care how you do it. I want a ref- an official request form. So he calls me and he says, Hey brother I said, well, what's up with that? I said, hit her ass with the 1731. We're not even going to tolerate that. I said, you send an email. Yeah. She acknowledged it. Yeah. I said, put that in the file and, and send it on. We don't have no damn official form. And we're not going to play games. I get on soapboxes a lot, don't I? But, but uh, listen to me. If you've got something that shows that you've turned in an information request and management acknowledges that, put that in the file. It's good as gold. We're going to win that, okay? I've got two sites for you. They're both very good. And both from arbitrator Glenda August, okay? Uh, the one is short. And it kind of talks, she talks a little bit about getting information, not at the informal, but but formal. It's C33968, 33968, it's out of uh, New Orleans. And the lady who did it for us is Tamberlyn Hawkins. Uh, If you've not heard heard of her, she's fantastic. This lady is brilliant, and she's got some headaches down there in New Orleans with labor. They are a joke. But Tamberlyn Hawkins did it. She's a great advocate for us, I'm telling you. A great woman. And here's what arbitrator Glenda August said. It's again at C33968, 33968, on page 13. She says, according to the union, the service did not have just cause to issue the EP and further argue that management has since investigated the incident and still the grievance remains in an emergency placement status after seven months. The union further alleges a due process violation by management based on their failure to provide requested information relevant to the grievance. The case file demonstrated that on August 24, 2018, the union requested information from management which was relevant to the instant grievance. The information requested was obviously related to the grievance defense. Albeit the grievance was a short-term employee, she is still entitled to a defense by the union. Thank you, Arbitrator August. The union requested the following information. Copy of vehicle accident report on 8-15-2018 by K. August. Copy of maintenance record of vehicle and accident on 8-15 by K. August. Hey, that's some good work right there. Copy of investigative interview conducted on K. August. And, and let me stop right there. Look, if we request a copy of the investigative interview and management says, your steward was in there, just get theirs. Or you were in there, just use yours. I don't want mine. I want yours. Okay. I requested yours and yours is the one that I want. I want yours. So if they say, we're not giving it to you, just use yours. 17 and 31. Okay. Uh, Copy of driver training record. All right. The information listed appears to be the minimum information required to mount a defense for the grievance. Certainly a copy of the accident report employees driver's training record with the Postal Service, and a copy of the investigative interview would be necessary to establish whether or not, prior to the accident, the grievance was properly trained on the vehicle, whether anything established by the accident report demonstrated that the grievance was negligent, or whether the grievance, during the investigative interview, said anything to shed light on her actions on that day. 
This information was not provided to the union until the day of the formal A meeting. That's what I was talking about earlier. They're bad about that. Which certainly at best would hinder the union's ability to prepare for the formal A and establish its contentions based on the evidence available. However, the biggest issue for management in this case is to prepare to provide some of the information at all. So she talks about that, where it hinders even the formal A when they bring it there. But formal A reps, when you get information at your level for the first time that was requested in any formal, beat the hell out of that. Use that Article 15 language I read earlier. Beat that to death. Hey, why are you handing this to me? Well, y'all requested it. We'll make sure you got it. I didn't file the grievance. Corey filed the grievance. He wanted the information. He's the one who prepared the grievance. He wanted it. Well, we're still giving it to you. So it, it you know, that, that fulfills our obligation under 17 and 31. Not to you it does, but you can tell an arbitrator that. But I'm going to call BS on that. Formal A's, don't let them get away with that. Do, don't go and say, okay, we appreciate it. It's a little late, but let me take my time to look at it. Don't do that. Don't, in, don't entertain that. If you're given information for the first time at the formal A, address that. Corey Walton, the shop steward, requested this information on the 3rd. Here the meeting is on the 20th, and we're just now getting it at the formal A. Corey Walton's the shop steward who requested it. He's the one who knows why he requested it. He's the one who prepared the grievance. He's the one who's initially defending the grievance. He's the one who met at the informal step A level to talk about this with the supervisor. They couldn't facilitate a decision because the relevant documentation he requested is not in the file. And here you're going to bring that to me as a violation of his due process. We call that a mosquito, right? Make that contention at the formal step A, baby, if you're getting that at the formal A. Do that. Don't, don't let them slide on that, okay? Here's the last decision, man, and I'm going to be done with this. I didn't think this episode would last any time. I talk too much. It's my problem. I've had that problem my whole life. All right, here's my last decision I'm going to read. This one's out of New Orleans, and this is just a few months after the one that I just talked about. And this is a great decision. It's a key case, but I went down there and met on this uh, removal for this gentleman, and uh, he's a CCA with progressive discipline on attendance, and it's horrible, but management didn't provide us information, and listen to how the arbitrator blasts them for this. She brings the guy back with full back pay. He has a terrible attendance record, which is usually fatal to us, but they didn't provide us information, and in the case file... There's all these, all the pages are initialed by the union and by management. And so when we get to the hearing, the formal A for management, he just starts lying. He's like, I didn't, I didn't know there was a request for information. I thought they got all their information. And so I'm thinking to myself, do what? <laughs> you, I take him to the information request that's in the file. And the contention that we didn't get the information, I said, sir, is that your initial right there? Yes, it is. I said, well, why did you initial that? Well, we initial every page down here to make sure that, you know, the union doesn't slide anything in. I said, well, I appreciate that. I said, but what did you initial? Well, let's see here. Puts his glasses on. That looks like an information request. You just told me there wasn't one. Well, I didn't see that. Is that your initial? Yeah. Well, hell, you just blindly initial things? Did you not have your glasses on when you initialed that? Turn the page. What's that contention say? The union didn't receive any of the information they requested. I said, you initial that? Yes, I did. I said, you, do you not read anything you initial? Well, she addresses that in the contention. But the decision is great because she throws in some other arbitrators in there. Wolitz is one of them. Uh, and I apologize. This is lengthy. And I don't like reading. Y'all know I don't. I do all the time. But for somebody who don't like reading, I should do it a lot, don't I? It's on page 18. Page 18 of her decision. Again, C34816. 34816. It's Glenda August, okay? She's fantastic. And here's what, here's what she said. The union raised contractual issues in addition to the issue of just cause for the disciplinary action in this case. 
The first issue is whether or not management violates Articles 15, 17, and or 31 of the National Agreement when the service failed to provide the information requested by the union steward in violation of previous Step B team decisions and arbitration decision, she gives that decision, which directed management to cease and desist failing to provide information relevant to a grievance. The union further alleged that management violated Articles 15.2 and 15.3 when they, in fact, failed to meet at the informal level. And we just had a big fight about this. The issues were raised in addition to the union's arguments that the notice of removal dated August 19th was issued without just cause. Central to the union's case is the procedural due process violation alleged when management withheld information that the union deemed necessary to mount a defense for the grievance. The union relied on the arbitrable opinion of arbitrator William E. Renfro in the case there dated April 9th, 1979, where he stated in pertinent part, and this is one of my favorite ones, I always turn in and she cited it. A review of recent arbitrable awards and disciplinary cases reveals a growing consensus among arbitrators that a just cause standard to which discipline is contractually required to conform embodies the principle of procedural due process. Rather, arbitrators have recognized that particular due process concerns are implicitly addressed by the parties in negotiating employee rights to grieve disciplinary action and are inherent in any contractual provisions requiring an employee to establish just cause for disciplining or discharging employees. Thus, it can be seen that due process is not a mere technical requirement. It is an integral part of just cause clause that the parties have agreed upon. For an arbitrator, in construing a just cause clause, particularly where discharge is involved, to reach a determination without considering whether due process has been afforded agreement is to invite the very labor unrest the parties hope to avoid in including such a clause in their collective bargaining agreement. That's beautiful language from arbitrator Renfro about just cause and due process. Arbitrator Renfro went on to discuss other sources in his discussion of procedural due process and noted the discussions in CCH's current comment in CCH analysis 58572-5, which held that failure to afford an accused man his full rights under the law will invalidate the entire proceedings against him, as witnessed by many Supreme Court decisions. It is not strange, then, to find the idea of procedural due process well-established in the field of industrial and labor relations dealings with discipline. The union oftentimes raises the issue of failure to provide information. However, more often than not, it is the delay of information which is at the core of the allegation. In the instant case, we have a request for information which the union presented as evidence and was included in the case file. Yet management did not rebut the fact that the information was not provided. Also, there was no indication that the information was provided to the unit at any level subsequent to the informal A. Management at Formal A acknowledged the request by his initials on the form, but the information requested was not provided to the union or made part of the grievance file. The JCAM at Article 31.3 clearly provides clear and unambiguous language regarding requests for information submitted by the union and their right to receive that information. And she cites the 31.3 language. I'm not going to read that. Particularly where the grievance being processed is one of disciplinary removal and where the stakes are very high, it is imperative that all requested information be provided so that the grievance has the best opportunity at a defense. That's your mosquito. That's the killer. Without assuring the accused man, in this case the grievance, his full rights under the law, it invalidates the entire proceedings against him. Hello. Let me read that again. Without assuring the accused man, in this case the grievance, his full rights under the law, it invalidates the entire proceedings against him. The fact circumstances in the instant case shows that management failed to rebut the union's allegation that the request for information was not satisfied. The evidence of record further demonstrated that the service failed to provide the requested information. Thus, the arbitrator cannot be assured that the agreement was provided his full rights under the collective bargaining agreement. That's a, that's a slaughter right there. 
The Joint Contract Administration Manual at Article 16 requires that no employee may be disciplined or discharged except for just cause. The JCAM explains that prior to the issuance of discipline, management must review the elements of just cause and be able to satisfy all questions which were established by arbitrators reviewing disciplinary actions to decide if management did indeed prove that there was a need to take action as well as prove that action was necessary at the level imposed. The service's failure to provide the information requested by the union in its absence from the grievance file not only denied the grievance ability to mount a defense, but by doing so, management failed to provide the evidence necessary to prove that just cause existed. To uphold a removal, the ultimate disciplinary action, the employer must prove by clear and convincing evidence that the grievance was guilty as charged. Prior disciplinary action can be used to assist in determining the appropriate level of discipline necessary, but it cannot be used to determine guilt. Simply proving that an employee has had an attendance problem in the past is insufficient to support termination. An employer must satisfy all questions of just cause, including that a thorough investigation was conducted. The grievance file lacks the evidence necessary to prove that fact, particularly without the inclusion of the PS Form 3971s and other documents requested by the union. The union's arguments regard the lack of supervisor input on Form 3972 also has merit, but must be reviewed in the context of their inability to fully prepare their defense due to the lack of information provided. And here's another site I always use, wallets. The union relied on arbitrable opinion to support their position in the case. One case submitted by the union was reviewed by arbitrator Louise Wollitz. Says the case number. Arbitrator Wollitz found that management failed to meet their burden of proof that just cause existed to remove the grievance and that the service withheld information from the union. She further concluded, By denying the union the necessary information to conduct a proper investigation and denying the grievance a chance to face his accuser, management has denied the grievance his due process rights. The union cannot fairly represent the grievance to the best of their ability nor put forth a proper defense without access to the information relied upon by management in their decision to remove the grievance. The union asserted that, at, that this at the formal A meeting, as can be seen in their contentions. Management did not dispute the union's contentions at formal A, so they should be considered undisputed facts by the arbitrator. <laughs> I love arbitrator Wallace, man. Likewise, in the instant case, management did not dispute the union's argument that their request for information was not satisfied, and the evidence of record supports this contention. There can be no other assumption than that the union in this case cannot fairly represent the grievance or put on a proper defense. As concluded by the Supreme Court and cited by arbitrator Renfro in the aforementioned cited decision, failure to afford an accused man his full rights under the law will invalidate the entire proceedings against him. God, dog. The same applies to the grievance rights under the collective bargaining agreement. Management's violation of Article 17 and 31 denied the grievance due process, thus invalidating the removal. Hey, let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something. Management doesn't provide me information at the informal I'm doing everything short of telling, hey, hey, dude, keep your keep your uniform washed and pressed. You're coming back. I'm doing everything short of that. I'm doing everything short of said, hey, man, look here. Go home. Get your paper route, throwing papers in the morning. You ain't going to be gone long. If you don't give me the information I requested and I meet at that informal A and I still don't have it, I'm going to hammer that ass in my contentions. And I'm going to tell what I requested, why I needed it, and send that on to the formal A. And you're going to write in your contentions, your handwritten notes about your informal A meeting. I'm going to talk about the informal A meeting later. But, and you're going to say, at the meeting, the supervisor saw my contentions, and I still didn't get the information that I requested, and send that along with your contentions to the formal step A. Article 17 and 31 is the single greatest killer of discipline 
than the other two or three best due process violations combined. Nothing will kill discipline faster than management viol- management's violation of Article 1731. But make a great contention on it. It should be 90% of your contention. Okay? Get that site. Put that in there. If they send you a relevancy letter, get that Menthol decision and put it in there. Okay? Help your, help your formal aid and your, your advocate probably already has it. I'm going to put this brief on there and, and look at it. You don't have to copy it. But look at it. It may help you. It may not. But uh, And then once that arbitrator's decision gets a C number on it, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll come back later and tell you about that. And you can see what she said about management's relevancy letters, okay? Holy smokes, an hour and eight minutes. My God. Oh, well. It, it was fun. I talked a lot. I do that. But, hey, 1731, we're going to get into it, man. Anything that will kill discipline, we're going to take some time on it. I hope this has helped you. I hope I didn't confuse you. I did a lot of talking, man. I hope I didn't confuse you on this. But 17 and 31, again, it's the steward. It's the steward that requests the information. It's the steward that meets on the grievance at the informal. It's the steward that has the 14 days to prepare that grievance. If I don't get the information and and they give it to the formal A, Yell to the hills, baby. Due process, due process, due process. All right? Uh, formal A's, if you get it at the formal A, I've said this a million times, due process, due process, due process. All right? Um, next one is going to be Article 31. I hope I don't take as long. I had a hearing last week, so kind of put me behind. Um, Article 31 is going to be next. Uh, kind of similar to what we just talked about. Kind of like progressive and corrective but we're going to deal with article 31 next and then we'll talk about the the steward's responsibility when it gets disciplined all the way up to when we meet okay hey i appreciate y'all hanging in there with me on this (laughs) i appreciate y'all hanging in there with me i'll talk to y'all on the next one until then y'all take care of yourselves and y'all take care of your brothers and sisters all right i'll talk to you later bye-bye